Greetings. Welcome to this episode from the series, Examples of Faith. There is only one person on earth privileged to have given birth to the only begotten Son of God. That was Mary. In this session, we are going to look at the birth of Jesus Christ from his mother's perspective. Maybe you think that it was a simple task to give birth to Jesus Christ. That is far from true. What we will see in this account is that the road to fulfilling the will of God for our life doesn't always come easy. Major difficulties and dilemmas often follow those who are brave enough to stand for God in the face of opposition. Mary chose to take on that challenge, and her decision to trust God would change the course of history. She would bring forth into the world the child who would ultimately bring salvation to all who choose to call on his name. Mary's faith would be greatly tested, but in the end, God's promise to her would prevail. But our story doesn't begin with her. It starts with her cousin Elizabeth. In Luke chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a certain priest named Zechariah of the priestly division of Abijah, and he had a wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking without blame in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. The word before God was an idiom that means that they were doing service to him. Now verse 7. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in their days. It is likely that both Zechariah and Elizabeth were over 60 years old at this time. The death rate was so high in that culture that it was expected and hoped that each couple would have five children in order to keep the population stable. Children were considered a blessing from the Lord, and being barren was treated as a curse. Verse 11 through 13. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was startled when he saw him, and fear fell on him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. It is very likely that Zechariah and Elizabeth had faithfully prayed for a child for many years. However, due to their old age, they probably discontinued those prayers at some point. This record serves as a testimony of God's faithfulness to answer prayer on his timetable. Verses 14 through 15. And there will be joy and jubilation for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he must not ever drink wine or beer, and he will be filled with Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. This prophecy is about John the Baptist. His ministry would be very short, as he would be arrested and beheaded at a young age. We see here that God is interested in quality of service and not necessarily quantity. John's ministry, although short-lived, was told here by God to be great in the sight of the Lord. Verses 18 through 20, And Zechariah said to the angel, By what sign will I know this? 
for I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in her days. And the angel answering to him said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And look, you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day that these things come to pass, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The words proper time is a translation from the Greek word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. It refers to a fixed measure of time. The proper time is when God decides that it's going to happen. You and I have no control over when God's promises will come to pass. There have been many Christians over the years who have made the mistake of deciding for themselves when Jesus Christ will return from the clouds to gather us home. Some to the point of selling their possessions and gathering at a special place to await for his return. They did not understand Kairos. In Mark chapter 13 verse 32, Jesus Christ said that no man will know the day or the hour when Jesus will return. Even Jesus Christ himself did not know. Only the Father knows. And it doesn't matter how many people pray for his immediate return, or how many books get published that say he's going to return during this or that generation, it is going to happen when God decides it to happen. It might be tomorrow, and it might be almost 2,000 years from now. That's Kairos, God's timetable, not ours. God told Zechariah that his son would be born when God decides it's going to happen. Verses 24 to 25. And it came to pass, when the days of his priestly service were completed, he departed into his house. And after these days Elizabeth his wife conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among people. God has promised Zacharias and his wife a child at their old age, when all hope of being able to conceive was lost. Sound familiar? God had done the same thing for Abraham when he was 99 years old and Sarah was 91. Those details are recorded in Genesis chapter 17 and 18 and in Romans chapter 4 where it is used as an example of walking by faith rather than by sight. In verses 19 through 22 of Romans 4, it says, And without being weak in his trust, he considered his own body as already having become dead, he being about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, looking to the promise of God, he was not divided in his mind by unbelief, but he grew strong in his trust, giving glory to God. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to do. And therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. This summarizes Abraham's example of believing. It's an incredible section of scripture that deserves a lot more time than we are going to give it here. But the main gist of it is, if God makes a promise, it may seem outlandish, it may seem impossible, but if we walk out in faith, his promise will surely come to pass. God did it for Abraham, he did it for Zacharias, and he will do it for you and I. That's the background. Now, Mary comes into the picture. 
Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin who was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Mary was now engaged to be married to Joseph, meaning she was not married to him at this moment. Verse 28. And coming to her, he said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary is a favored one. God is showing his delight in having chosen her. He is honored to do this. This is followed by, The Lord is with you. Like Mary, we need to understand this and put it into our heart. When we think, I can't do it, I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough. What we are forgetting is that the Lord is with us. Verses 29 through 30. But she was greatly perplexed at this saying and tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The word favor in this verse is a translation from the Greek word charis, spelled C-H-A-R-I-S. It is unmerited favor, like when we receive a gift that we did not deserve. This is the first of many places in the New Testament where charis is mentioned. It is often associated with God. His love is so awesome that he has a habit of giving us things way above and beyond what we should expect to receive based upon any work that we might have done for him. Some religious Christians have exalted Mary to a position where we are told to praise her, worship her, and pray to her. God has given her no such position. The scriptures identify her as being no more than a human being like you and I, whom God has bestowed his grace upon her. Verse 31, And look, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and will call his name Jesus. Here is the promise. Jesus is a translation from the Greek word, Jesus, spelled L-E-S-O-U-S. It means the Lord our Savior, or the Lord our Salvation. Psalm chapter 132 verse 11 tells us that the coming Messiah would be from the line of David. In order for that prophecy to be true, Mary would need to contribute the egg and God would need to fertilize that egg within her womb. Mary was from the lineage of David. This would result in Jesus Christ being born as a true descendant of David, thus fulfilling the prophecy. Luke chapter 1 verses 32 to 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Notice that God is not asking Mary to do any of this herself. God is going to bring all of this to pass. And this great blessing that is about to be bestowed upon her has nothing to do with merit. All of this blessing is due to how great our God is. Her role is to be a humble servant. This is all God is asking you and I to do as well. It is God who is great, not us. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, 
How will this be, seeing I am not knowing a man? When God gives us an assignment, it is okay to ask questions. He wants us to have confidence in carrying out what he is asking us to do. To obtain that necessary confidence, sometimes questions need to be asked and answers given. In this situation, it was a great question. The angel responded by sharing more details with Mary. Verse 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. God never oversteps our free will. He wasn't going to allow this child to be born and exist in Mary's womb if she didn't desire it to be there. The angel continued to share more truth so to get Mary to the point of accepting this pregnancy as a wonderful thing. Verse 36, And look, your relative Elizabeth, she also conceived a son at her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. The angel was helping Mary to grow in her faith. Each time we witness God performing a great miracle, it gives us additional confidence to believe that God has the ability to perform miracles. An example can be seen in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 to 37, where David had the courage in believing to face huge Goliath. His faith had been built upon previous situations where the sheep he was asked to protect were attacked by a lion and a bear. God miraculously came to his aid in both encounters. Goliath would simply be another such challenge for David to rely upon God's strength rather than his own to bring about victory. Luke chapter 1 verse 37 For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. To receive the promises of God, we need to deny our own physical limitations and look only on the limitlessness of God. This is what Abraham did. The word nothing here is a translation from three Greek words that are combined into one. They are O-U, pronounced U, P-A-S, pronounced pas, and R-H-E-M-A, rhema. U means nothing, pas means ever, and rhema means spoken word. When we put these three together, it means that nothing that is ever spoken by God. The angel is confirming to Mary that nothing that God ever speaks is impossible. Isn't that amazing? It might be impossible for men to bring this to pass, but when God speaks something, it is not impossible and he surely will bring it to pass. What a comfort. Luke 1, verse 38. And Mary said, Lo, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was now convinced in the promise and confirmed her belief by way of the words that she spoke back to the angel. Based on all the angel had told her, she was now persuaded that God had miraculously made her pregnant and that this baby that she would bring into the world was going to be a child from the Most High God. Her role was not to perform the miracle. She was simply a servant of the Lord, 
willing to allow God's will to come to pass within her womb. What about you? Are you a servant of the Lord? Are you willing to carry out God's plan for your life? God is looking for men and women who are humble servants. He does not need people with great wealth, good looks, or intelligence. He's looking only for those who are meek, those who are humble, as Mary was. Mary was not married to Joseph at this time, and now she is pregnant. From a spiritual point of view, this is wonderful and it's great. But it poses a real predicament in the material world. How is Mary going to be able to explain her pregnancy to her family, her friends, or the religious leaders? Perhaps most importantly, what was she going to say to her fiancé, Joseph? Was there any chance that he could believe her story? We read in verses 13, 14, and 20 to 24 of Deuteronomy chapter 22 that the consequence for a woman who was engaged to a man and then became pregnant to another man was to be stoned to death. Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1 outlines the best treatment that this woman could hope for, which would be to receive a written bill of divorcement and sent away in disgrace, resulting in total humiliation for her and her family. Yikes! Mary has a huge problem here. Mary needed someone to confide in, and so she decided to visit her cousin Elizabeth. This was a great choice. Elizabeth was her elder and a God-fearing woman who had also miraculously conceived a child from the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, Elizabeth would understand what she was going through. Maybe you are going through some predicament too. Ask the Lord to show you someone that you can confide in that will encourage you in your faith. Luke chapter 1 verses 39 through 45. In those days Mary got up and went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah and went into the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it came to pass when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with Holy Spirit and cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how is this happening to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For look, when the voice of your greeting came into my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed, because there will be a fulfillment of the things that have been spoken to her from the Lord. I absolutely love this. Mary had made the commitment to carry the Son of God in her womb. Now we see God at work giving encouragement to Mary and assisting her confidence that she had made the right decision. Elizabeth had no previous knowledge of Mary's pregnancy, and yet in verse 43, Elizabeth refers to Mary as the mother of my Lord. This was information that was impossible for Elizabeth to have known. Witnessing the revelation Elizabeth had received regarding her child brought great comfort, I'm sure, to Mary. What freedom it must have brought to Mary's heart to know that she was no longer alone to deal with her dilemma of being pregnant without being married. God had told Elizabeth the truth about it, and Elizabeth had believed. This confirmation brought great joy to Mary's heart. Verses 46-47 to And Mary said, 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary responded by magnifying God with all of her deep-seated emotions and thoughts. Her proclamation of my spirit rejoices indicates her deep trust in God. Had she been afraid of getting stoned, she would not have been rejoicing. Verse 48. Because he has looked upon the lowest state of his servant, for look, from now on all generations will call me blessed. I cannot emphasize enough that Mary was a human being like you and I. She described herself as a low estate of his servant. Psalm 138 verse 6 says that God looks upon the lowly and the humble. Mary did not see herself as some great individual who deserved this thing to happen. Verses 49 to 50. Because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Mercy is the withholding of merited judgment. Mary knew she was a sinner, and because of that did not deserve the honor of carrying the Son of God in her womb. And yet such it was that God brought it to pass. Verses 51 to 52. And he has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thought of their heart. He has pulled down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. We see again that requirement to receive the promises of God is not to be great and mighty. God is the great and mighty one. Our only requirement is to be humble. In Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 24, we can now read how Joseph upon finding out that Mary was pregnant, was planning to break off his engagement to Mary. Then an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph and was able to convince him regarding the truth of her pregnancy. How awful that would have been had Joseph believed that Mary had cheated on him. The angel God sent to Joseph freed Mary from the responsibility of trying to convince him herself. When God gives us a promise to fulfill and we are obedient to our decision to carry it out, he will not leave us stranded. And he didn't leave Mary stranded with his fiance. It's a remarkable story. Perhaps there has never been any other woman on earth as privileged as Mary. God entrusted her, a teenage girl, with the birth, care, and training of his son. What we witness from this story that privilege from God goes to the humble and not the proud. To those who are willing to humbly say to God, Here I am, send me. When we do that, there is no telling how great and how wonderful our journey will be, with God directing us and supporting us all the way. As always, remember that God loves you, and so do I.